here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. All right, folks, happy Sunday evening. I am with Sean Zock. I'm with Claire Rogers. Xander Shoffley is a PGA Tour winner once again. So is Patrick Cantlay. Uh, and Dustin Johnson is a married man. Guys, we've got a bunch to break down on the on this week's Drop Zone. But first of all, thanks for being here. Dylan, I am more than just here. I am, where are you, Sean? I'm in the same room as you, sitting on another side of your guest bed that I will be sleeping in tonight. Why am I here? Because, well, I wanted to see Radmore headquarters. Yes. Radmore, as you know, is the presenting sponsor of the Drop Zone podcast. Dylan, can you talk about them? Yeah, I mean, Radmore is uh, is our presenting sponsor. They are also the brand that outfits basically everything that we wear every day at this point. Uh, the most comfortable pants you could imagine, the most stylish hoodies, um, hats that, Sean, we're going to go tackle U.S. Open qualifying tomorrow morning. Uh, we're going to look good doing it. I'm not sure how the playing is actually going to go, but... Radmore will be there every step of the way with us. If you haven't seen it, Radmore is the most stylish and most sustainable golf apparel brand in the biz. And you can find them by going to radmoregolf.com. That's R-A-D-M-O-R golf.com. And you can get 25% off by using the code DROPZONE. Pretty unbelievable deal. Um, and there's actually a, a limited amount of Drop Zone branded apparel still available on there under special collections. So head to radmoregolf.com, code drop zone. Sean, what do you think of Seattle so far? Uh, it's a gorgeous day. I guess it's supposed to be worse tomorrow. I'm a little worried about our morning tea time, but the chair, this course was made with you in mind. I know <laughs> it was made before you were born, but it was made with you in mind. Tight, tree-lined fairways. You're going to drive the ball right down the center, right up the nats, but as the as the saying goes, and uh, yeah, we're gonna shoot two under, and you're gonna qualify. That sounds great to me. I I uh, I went out there. I went out to Gold Mountain last week. I played a practice round solo, and it was a disaster. It was probably the worst golf I've played. I decided I made multiple fatal mistakes. One was just going on a day where the weather was sketchy. It started raining. I was it was cold. It was like 42 and kind of rainy. Um, I texted you right before I headed out there. I said, I'm, I'm going to go play a worst ball scramble. <laughs> I figured like, this is what happens when tiger's on his way back, right? Yeah. And metal starts leaking out tiger shot, worst ball scramble 66. Um, it doesn't really work that well. If you're not a super consistent golfer, if you're not sharp, if you haven't played golf in a little bit, if the weather's bad, I mean, I think I four putted the second green and was just well because i mean you have to you got to validate your putts right to finish the hole you have to make a putt twice in a row anyway made a bunch of double bogeys it was so bad that when i made the turn i considered leaving but instead i was like let's just play a best ball scramble on the front nine just to kind of get your confidence back up i think it's there's got to be an art to to playing the worst ball scramble i like it has be to be good at well, golf Beyond that, I think you have to be like a great irons player so you're just not missing any greens. And then mm. there must just be a mentality thing where I, I, I just have a feeling if I was playing horse ball scramble and I had a great drive, 
I would think, okay, I can do better. Or I, you know, or if you did, if you did not hit a great drive, if you hit something imperfect, I can do better. What can I change? And you end up changing your swing on like every single hole, changing something up every single time. Uh, the consistency thing would probably screw. Yeah, in reality, it's that's the lesson, right? Is you, it just relentlessness, just doing the same thing every single time. So anyway, to, tomorrow we go in with no expectations, but we're gonna have fun. Well, people, the podcast listeners, find uh, the results page <laughs> and uh, go check out how well we do because it's gonna be good. It's gonna be our best qualifying performance yet. We put these stakes up on the line so that Dylan performs tomorrow and that I stay out of the way. And uh, we'll see you at sectionals. Claire Rogers, where are you reporting in from today? I am reporting in from my humble abode in Rhode Island. I think that was the longest Claire has ever sat patiently without speaking. This is something I'm really working on. I can <laughs> up my... my uh, role as a podcaster and a friend by just taking a little extra time to listen. <laughs> uh, and Claire, how have you how have you spent your weekend? Dare we ask? Well, I first, why don't you ask me how I am? Because I have a good answer to that before I get into. Hi. Claire, how are you? <laughs> oh my god! Thank you for asking, Dylan. So I don't feel particularly like well rested the way most people might at the end of a weekend, you know. And I was kind of thinking like I should feel well rested. But but you've been celebrating all weekend. I've been not just celebrating. I've been hard at work. The way that Usain <laughs> Bolt or Simone Biles wouldn't feel particularly well rested after an Olympic Games, right? I am feeling, I am feeling like I have just been <laughs> on my A game for seventy two hours now, following Dustin and Paulina's wedding weekend. Well, I, all right. I guess the podcast listeners, assuming that they haven't been you know, tracking Instagram location tags, etc. <laughs> like, can you give us a brief overview? Where does this begin? Dustin Johnson, Paulina Gretzky, you know, where does the relationship begin? It's the, the royal wedding, etc. Give us, give us like the bullet points of the royal wedding here. Perfect. I want you all to close your eyes for a minute. Consider where you might have been <laughs> on a rainy day in 2011. This is where we're either going to really lose people or draw them in. I'm not sure which. Paulina and Dustin were set up by Janet Gretzky in 2011. And they went on their first date not long after. And Wayne accompanied them to dinner at the Gretzky family home. <laughs> and they have been together ever since. They got engaged in 2013. I actually did like a little scroll down memory lane on their Instagram feeds. And they these two have like really grown up together. Like he was not a major champion until four years after they got engaged. They've been together a really long time. Um, so got engaged. They had a two, they have two kids, Tatum and River, born in 2015 and 2017. Fast forward to about what, seven, eight months ago, we're like, when are these two getting married? Well, we've always been wondering, when are they getting married? And about the time that we learned another uh, notable couple on the PJ Tour had gotten engaged, we started seeing that Paulina and DJ were starting to, you know, get ready for this wedding after nine years, I guess, have been eight years at mm -hmm. that point. We've seen, you know, she's been to Vera Wang to get a dress. She was in St. Bart's, or DJ and Paulina were in St. Bart's about a month ago. 
um, just having this wild party. But they both took their talents to Blackberry Farm in Tennessee mm. um, for a crazy wedding weekend. Um, they flew in on Thursday, private jets, of course. Um, and it seems like it was a really big wedding. And when they got there, they kind of kicked things right off. It looked like there was a huge dinner with family and friends. And then Thursday night, we got some photos. Friday, it seemed like there was like a, there were puppies there. They were all hanging out at some, I don't want to say shelter, but there were a lot of caged dogs. So <laughs> we'll do with that information with what you will. Um, then we move on to Friday night. I was kind of really just looking at the tag Blackberry Farm on Instagram. Uh, Claude Harmon was there. He has another podcast for golf. Uh, David Winkle was in attendance. There were a couple actresses, celebrities. Yep, yep, DJ's agent. Uh, A lot of people in attendance. And I think it's really fun that their kids got to be there. It seemed like from what I've seen, they had like a lot of fun with the photo booth and stuff. And now I've just been kind of collecting images from the weekend and None have disappointed. We haven't seen the big, you know, like the photo yet that a lot of people would, you know, be waiting for Mm -hmm. the dress, DJ, but I'm confident it'll come soon. Yeah, there were some weird grainy, like distant paparazzi photos that surfaced earlier today, right? Yeah. And I was like, these don't even count. It would be if like you're standing on like the first fairway somewhere and you try and you like tried to zoom in on like the fourth green. It's just grainy. (laughs) You can like, kind of see that she's wearing a whitish dress but it's yep. um, it would have been better honestly to just wait for the photos kid rock was performing yeah he performed uh, a cover of chris stapleton joy of my life i think that was their first dance song and i was wondering if someone like kid rock would get offended if he's doing a wedding and then like the first dance song is not his <laughs> but then i'm not sure well what are his songs yeah, I was gonna say I don't, I don't know the I don't know the library. Does he sing the discography all quite long? well enough? My 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 real take on this wedding is one Tennessee would not have been in the top thirty states that I would have predicted for them mm. uh, for location wise. That was out of nowhere. I thought, uh, but great rustic. I mean, DJ's wearing the flannels and the boots, the dark navy jeans, like very this. striking. Yeah, DJ is is. I hope his beard was looking as good as it ever has looked. And then my second question is, is this the most important wedding in golf in the past like 15 years? Yes. How old, how old is, uh, uh, Sam Woods is 16. So I'd have to say it is the most important (laughs) of all in the last 15 years for sure. Um, I also, she's 14, but that's right. Oh, she's 14. Sorry about that. Um, but I would assume whatever they got married (laughs) more than 15 years ago, but I would say, yeah, it is the most important. And we've been, I think why it is also is because there's been this buildup of like, are they ever going to get married? She was on a podcast about a year ago and said she was in no rush because she loves him and they have kids. So why do they even need a big wedding? But lucky for the viewers at home, something changed since then. And we got this wedding, but it is interesting, as you said, Sean, that it was in Tennessee. I would have pictured more of like a Florida wedding for them or maybe California. California. Yeah. Yeah, like a LA situation, like a, yeah. Hollywood, Vegas, even destination wedding overseas somewhere. But Tennessee seems like a wholesome spot. What parts of the wedding do you think DJ's uh, fingerprints were on? Uh, I think he just had to show up and say, (laughs) I do. 
<laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> Guys, one interesting thing. Well, two interesting things. One, we have not seen the full roster, I mean, nor will we, of PGA Tour players that was there. I imagine there's a bunch. I mean, you kind of heard through the grapevine that some some pros are going. Brooks Kepka does not seem to be among them. And we can only guess this because Brooks's fiance Jenna, was uh, in Aruba on her, her bachelorette party this same weekend. Claire, what do we make of this? <sighs> you know, it's tough. I know that there was this friendship between the guys and they worked out together for a while. And then who knows what happened at the 2018 Ryder Cup. I remember someone said it was confirmed by who? Steve Stricker or somebody that there was an incident between the boys, mm-hmm. um, but that it was taken care of right then and there. But it doesn't seem like they all hang out anymore. I know they went to the Maldives together, maybe around that 2018 time, but we haven't seen them vacationing. I was kind of surprised um, that they were not there, as far as we know. <laughs> she was in sure. Aruba for yeah. the weekend. But even if that friendship came to an end, we got so much WAG content this weekend. Like, I don't think we'll ever have... This is like when there's a two majors going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like it was just this huge weekend. You check Instagram, your the stories, the posts, you see it all. And I don't think we'll have a yeah. weekend like this for a really long time. <laughs> well, look, you usually have your your finger on the pulse here because you write the this weekly Rogers report, of course, that people yes. have read on golf.com. How do you even narrow it down this weekend? Has this been a challenge for you, you know, Sunday evening as you work on your wrap up? It has because there's been so much stuff and I'm like, I care about everything, but what is the average person who follows, you know, the the lives of PJ tour players? How much do they care about it? Right. Um, So basically what I did was I, (laughs) we're going to find out in how many listens we get for this podcast. (laughs) I've screenshotted everything I've seen and I'm dumping that all into um, a specialty Rogers report, which is just <laughs> highlighting the wedding. Thank you to Dylan and Sean for the idea for that. And then I'm kind of just picking and choosing like the highlight reel, right? For this week's Rogers report, um, giving three to four things from each event and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, if you want more, you can go to the one that really covers the wedding in depth. Cause the I go into cut, just the, the deep yeah, dive. the menu, the, the shrubs, the water, the glasses, mm-hmm. things like that. The vows. The vows. Well, I don't know if that was vows or just like a pre-written. I don't know, Dylan. You're married. Like, do you? Yeah, you yeah. Like no, that was just a note. <laughs> that was just a note. I think a note, a pre-wedding day note. All right, I can see Sean's eyes are starting to glaze over. So, is there any? Is there any single takeaway? Uh, well, not takeaway, but any just like single scene or a few scenes that stand out that you saw browsing the net. Yes. Um, 360 photo booths where you mm. stand still and they revolve around you and you have to look. Yeah, perfect. you kind of dance. I think there's actually a lot of pressure to like. Yeah, pull off, like kind I of don't think cool I like that. Like move. you have to look good from every angle, but those things are in and all the like wedding guests that I've seen, like that's what they're sharing on their stories right now. Like mm-hmm. just this camera revolving around them, kind of like at like the Oscars, like red mm-hmm. carpet. You kind of see. Um. 
And just that, like, I think when these photos do drop, when we get the picture from Paulina, I think we're, we're going to mm-hmm. get one. Like, we're not going to not get one, right? Hopefully. It's going to break. Like, people are going to lose it, I think. My prediction for MVP of the wedding, Austin Johnson. Feels like the odds-on favorite to let loose, give a great speech, leave people wanting more. He was the MVP, my MVP of the bachelor party. Because he was like, if you looked at all the photos, he was kind of leading the charge at the clubs, holding <laughs> holding those lights up that say like Dustin or whatever on it. So he was my Leading pick. the charge. I yeah. just hope we get another sort of grainy video of Rory McIlroy dancing like it seems to emerge every Ryder Cup. Ooh, that's very true. That's my hope. We'll hope for that um, tonight. All right, should we should we talk about the golf that was played this weekend? If we still have any listeners who are interested in that sort of thing, Sean, and you you spent most of the day in the Seattle airport today watching the entirety of the final round of the Zurich Classic. And I would first like you to tell me: Is this a good event? Oh yeah, it's a great event. I think. All right. I think it's a great event because it is just really hard to care about anything this time of year when it comes to the 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 golf you know sitting between what could be phil mickelson defending his title or maybe not even playing and obviously the masters it's just really hard to get up for these these events when there's still a couple more between now and the pga championship so this is something different it's something new Uh, maybe it's not new but it's just something that's we're not used to this time of year. Um, and I I think it's particularly fun. You see these guys act in a different way when they have to play alternate shot at the end of a tournament when they're so used to like yeah. taking control of their own mistakes on their own and dealing with, with that through their caddy. Well, now you add another player to the equation and another caddy to the equation. It's just like you end up feeling like you are either the hero in a bigger way or you are the zero in an even bigger way. And I think that that matters for these guys' psyches. And it's kind of fun to watch it all play out. I don't know. Pretty fun finishing stretch, I think. 16 mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. 18 can be a lot of fun if it's reachable. Um, so I, what I want is for for like there actually to be legit legit duel between like top teams. Like If yeah. we could have had Cantley and Shoffley go down to the wire against Morikawa and Hovland, if we can get a Ryder Cup-esque match to happen at the Zurich Classic, I think that that would do wonders for this event. Yeah. Well, so two things. First of all, I think that the the alternate shot format is at its best once things start to get weird, once they start to go sideways. Uh, you had Dylan Wu with a short birdie putt on the 10th hole. They were right at the edge of contention today. He missed it. Justin Lauer misses it coming back. Dylan Wu misses it coming back. Like you can't clean up your own mess. You have to suddenly awkwardly count on your partner to do that. It creates these, these fascinating, weird dynamics. Uh, Kevin Kisner and uh, his partner who I'm blanking on right now, they made an eight on a par three today. Uh, They're just both dumping them in the water. Um, But to that point, Sean, I think this event still is holding itself back a little bit by forcing the same 72 hole stroke play mindset. And I'm just not sure that we need to be confined to that same sort of thing. Like the fact that this was basically a runaway for most of the day today, even though it got to within a shot or two shots, uh, it never really, f- the, the end result never felt totally in question. I think you should make it a shootout, like make it a little bit more like it's an NBA all-star game thing. 
like where during the the first round is best ball, right? You see how low you can go. Second round is this grind alternate shot. But then the third round, like in order to make it to Sunday, your team has to make eight birdies. And if you don't make eight birdies, you don't get to play on Sunday. Make it more of a shootout where you like you're really trying to see if these guys can make birdie on 18. Or if you make an eagle, then it, then it's all good too. Or if you splash an 18, suddenly your tournament's over with. Up the stakes so it doesn't feel like it's kind of a hit and giggle as much. Because I think it has that tendency right now where there's not that much. It doesn't feel like it's important golf until the end. Like Xander and, and Cantley were talking about it all weekend. Like, up, oh, we're through the first quarter. Up, oh, we're through to halftime. Up, oh, we're through to the third quarter. It's like, I don't got to pay attention to the, any of the first three quarters if it's just going to matter for the last part of the fourth quarter. That's kind of the way they're treating it. I think if if you could somehow raise the stakes for quarters one, two, and three, then then you get a lot more viewership. Claire, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is big because it's Xander's technically his first PGA Tour win in what coming up on I guess, more than three years. Yeah. Do you think it's legit? <laughs> I don't know, because I, I, I always try and compare things to what they'd be like outside of golf. Right. Or like, say, Dylan, mm-hmm. you and I played in a match. Against Sean and we win. You're a better golfer than Sean, but I'm not. So, like, do I deserve that that victory? I don't know. I'm I'm happy they won. I think it was good, but I just I can't wrap my ra- mind around like a partner event counting for an official PGA Tour win. Yeah, but maybe this. I will think be, that makes sense. This could be the catalyst that Xander needs, you know, to go win three more this year. We'll see. Well, this is why this whole thing is so perfect because I've been talking on this podcast for weeks, months now about Cantlay taking second everywhere it's so fun these are the two perfect guys to have paired up in a nebulous victory right because i mean look we can't we truly can't take anything away from xander shoffley's gold medal i mean you can feel free but uh but the fact that he's won these events that are sort of pga tour adjacent you know the the gold is obviously a different type of field in the pga tour it's a different event um he won the the 72 hole stroke play portion of the tour championship a couple of years ago. Like, mm-hmm. And then he's they he and Cantlay each had a bundle of runner up finishes. Cantlay, we were just talking about this last week, how he, you know, he won the Memorial when John Rahm got knocked out and, you know, he's, he's had a lot of near misses and then interesting victories also. So in some ways this is the perfect duo to play lights out golf. Yeah. I don't think either of them are like, yep, that was a win. I don't think either of them are coming away with it thinking, gosh, I am a PGA Tour champion this week. And that's the weirdest part oh, about yeah. it all. I think that's fair then. It sounds like it's properly rated by maybe by all of us because we recognize it exists in this in-between zone. Do they each get a trophy or do they have to split it? They each get a silver belt, Aww. which is odd. And I think there's one trophy, right? They host. They they held up one trophy during the pictures. Yeah, I didn't know if that was just for photos, but how does that? Where is that going to live now? Well, this just might be it. this might be a, an unfair joke, but as a child of divorce, Claire, I feel like you could answer that perfectly. <laughs> I already made the child of divorce joke with the trophy <laughs> in the Rogers report, but oh, I think it should oh, get. No. I think it should get put in a Vera Bradley. Uh, duffel bag and shipped back and forth, you know, every couple of weeks between their houses. Where do they both live? I don't know. What state are they in? Patrick lives in Florida. 
Xander now lives in Las Vegas. They Perfect. both spend some time in Southern California, um, which is where they're each from. So they have this California connection. But yeah, now they're both uh, tax haven transplants to some extent. So <laughs> Perfect. Um, as for their actual golf, I think, you know, we should note that these guys are a best ball force. They shot 59 and 60 in their two That's so best ball uh, rounds, first and third round, which basically means that they are making an insane number of birdies. Uh, they, made, they made a few eagles throughout the week. Actually, today in the final round, they only made one birdie and also one eagle. They're just, you know, stacking up eagles. Um, pretty impressive. I don't know, again, how this translates exactly to stroke play golf, but it's it's certainly not a bad thing. Um, and it's probably good for President's Cup teams and Ryder Cup teams for years to come. It suggests that we're going to see a lot more of these guys, which we already knew based on you know how the last couple of U.S. team events have gone. Um, overall, yeah, good week to be these guys. I'm not sure exactly what it means in the larger scheme of things. I think that that's the biggest question mark about this event. We don't know how to categorize it. We don't know how to set the stakes for it. But you definitely would rather win than not. Yeah, you would definitely rather win than be more Cow and Hovland, the, the the favorites everyone's talking about before the week. They just kind of start not talking about you as the weekend progresses. Dylan, one thing we need to talk about is global golf. I was hoping you'd say that, Sean. Global golf has one letter on its mind right now. Claire, do you know what that letter is? U. The letter is U, Claire. <laughs> Global Gulf's various services are you try, you trade in, and you select, and they are all about getting people into the right golf clubs for them. Claire, I believe you just bought golf clubs. Is that right? I did. How does it feel to have new golf clubs in your hands? Um, I will tell you when they arrive, but I'm very <laughs> excited to have them in my hands in the next yeah. week or so. Well, I think the excitement builds because you wanted them for a while, and now you know that they are coming and that's what Global Golf is about too. U-Try is one of their services they offer. It's about you trying brand new gear for two weeks. If you love it during those two weeks, you keep it. If you don't love it, you send it back. U-Trade-In allows you to trade in your previously owned gear for credit towards the newest and best. I imagine, Claire, you now have a second set of clubs that you don't know what to do with. You could trade it in if you used Global Golf. And finally, U-Select is all about personalized recommendations from golf professionals to help you select the best gear for your game. So that is you try, you trade in, you select. It is all about you, the golfer at Global Golf. Check it out at globalgolf.com. Dylan, you you watched the Greg Norman doc mm. Sunday night after we podcasted last week. And uh, I did not get to it, but you said you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fun to see golf tackled from a big picture perspective because we're in the the weeds so much you know week in week out trying to determine what the Zurich classic victory means to think about it from a big time legacy defined uh major championship perspective for a guy like Greg Norman who is now you know a, an important figure in the world of golf for different reasons it was just cool to get perspective on his entire career and my God, this guy had a fascinating career. All right, here are the things that I forgot. I or or I guess never fully appreciated because Norman's peak was before my golf consciousness. One is just how good this guy was. 
um, how he spent so much time at world number one, how, I mean, I forgot he had this, he had this Saturday slam. He led all <laughs> four majors through 54 holes in one year. That's unbelievable. And you know, I'd read about it and, and I sort of knew it abstractly, but then hearing him talk about it and review it and then watching how his respective losses and respectable losses, some more than others, how they went down was was painful and sometimes yeah it seemed like he was snake bit he was you know guys were chipping balls in larry mize was running around the green at augusta the the uh reversals of fortune that happened for him to lose some of these events was pretty wild to see and i, I thought the document documentary did a good job i thought the doc did a good job of of that duality of saying okay look yeah, if you put yourself in positions to win a lot, bad stuff might happen to you. But also if you put yourself in positions to win and then don't necessarily run through the finish line, also more bad stuff is going to happen to you. So yeah, Greg Norman was incredible. He lost in some heartbreaking ways. And then what happened in 1996 at the Masters was just unbelievable. Uh, the way he took a six-shot lead into Sunday, the way he called CBS the morning of <laughs> Masters Sunday to complain about coverage, to complain that they were complaining about a, s- a swing flaw. You should call USGA tomorrow before your qualifier. Oh my! I, that that actually could be good fuel for me. But um, yeah, I know I enjoyed it. Uh, Norman does not seem like a naturally introspective guy. Um, he was very clear-eyed about the facts of his career which i enjoyed he said he's over it i kind of believe him in the sense that he seems like he thinks about future things like he seems like he's kind of on to the next thing with that said this is the, the how his career is defined is by these almosts so i don't think that it's you know i don't think that this doesn't affect him i think it's everything when it comes to his relationship with golf I think there's some kudos to be dealt out for someone who's willing to open those scabs, even if he it, it was done in an interesting way. The timing is, of course, interesting. I think it, I was actually, you know, we were at the Masters in 2021 when a lot of the footage was actually being compiled for this mm. doc. Um, I saw the ESPN 30, 30 cameras out there on the driving range. Uh, I think it was Saturday of 2021. So you know, we all kind of knew this was coming. Can you I believe think they had Norman just walk around solo around the course. I think that was painful, cathartic. I think Greg Norman wants to be relevant right now, and it doesn't hurt to have ESPN um, following you around. And you know, he's got a lot going on in the off course part of his life, and it doesn't hurt to have people talking about him right now. Timing is 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 everything. Claire, did you watch? No, and I'm not going to lie. I just learned a ton about Greg Norman by listening to you, Dylan. So thank you for sharing all that. You're very, very welcome. Um, Sean, the LPGA Tour is still wrapping up here. Nasa Hataoka has a five-shot lead through 13 holes on Sunday. Um, We've got dinner to get to in a few minutes, though, which means this is going to be a Zurich Classic-sized podcast, I think. What else do we need to know? The last thing I wanted to talk about is anchor sites. The USGA has added Pebble Beach as a third anchor site, joining Oakmont and Pinehurst. 
I think it matters because we really get up for the U.S. Open, and I think we get up for it like months in advance. Like people mm-hmm. have been talking about Brookline essentially ever since last year's U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, maybe even the year prior to that, because not everybody loves Torrey Pines. They've been kind of looking at Brookline out on right. the more distant calendar. Um, we're gonna lose a little bit of that when you know Pebble hosts three Opens in eleven years. I yeah. think I think Whistling Straits hosted three PGAs in eleven years, and so there you you don't have as much novelty to the golf course that you're coming to visit. Um, but it is important. Claire and I talked about it this morning. Like it is, I think, important that the biggest American golf event, uh, as far as Open Championships goes, goes to the best courses. These are the best courses. Um, but uh, like I wrote for the website, there's a huge part of the country that will now be in theory excluded from the u.s yeah. open um your flyover states no we don't call them that <laughs> mm. well as a midwesterner they're just the midwest <laughs> we just call them that. all right well here's a question for you is pittsburgh part of the midwest no you're just gonna brush by that definitely part of the north it's not part of the northeast mid-atlantic we can call it the mid-atlantic okay. states right. anyways there's a huge part of the country that is not going to host the u.s open um for the men the midwest is getting a lot of women's u.s opens which is great but you know there's just people in nebraska that like would love to host a big event so as i wrote and as we've discussed in tour confidential the pga championship they just got to like put their weird hat on and go a bunch of different places go to mississippi go to kentucky more go to indiana take like embrace the parts of the country that don't get embraced by the usga when it comes to the u.s open quite as much that's all I've got um, for that and the rest of this podcast because we're running out of time. Claire, thanks for being here. Any final thanks, words? Boys. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> all right. That sounds good. Um, my final thing, I was just in Jacksonville for a bachelor party this week. The Yards doing some cool stuff. Just down the road from TPC Sawgrass, 12 holes plus six par three holes. Um also, I'm a little worried I sustained a foosball injury. Oh, no. At Mangoes. You okay? Tiki Can you walk? Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. Um, guys, thanks for being here. Everyone check out radmoregolf.com. We'll see you next week. <laughs>